Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group. Insider threats who are even more inside. We are seeing people who are elected to uphold free and fair elections become security breaches themselves yeah. uh, because they're embracing these conspiracies. The right cocktail for election security in 2022. So it's a, it's a mix of technology, physical security, and um, you know uh, background checks and, and verifying that only the right personnel have access to the, to the systems that they should have, as, long, as well as training. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Iowa has a new chief information officer. Matthew Behrens is officially the state's IT leader. Behrens has led Iowa's IT shop on an interim basis since Annette Dunn left last year. He's been with state government for nearly two decades. San Jose's new chief information officer wants the Silicon Valley city to become the, quote, hub for government innovation. Khaled Tafik believes the future of that government innovation is focused around data. He took the job earlier this year after previous CIO Rob Lloyd was promoted to be a deputy city manager. The Election Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center is, quote, reintroducing itself after four years into its existence. The cybersecurity information sharing operation for election systems and officials has more than 3,400 members. Its leadership says the group needs to expand awareness with the people who've started working more recently in elections. You can read these stories and more at statescoop.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. Mesa County, Colorado clerk Tina Peters is facing trial for allowing conspiracy theorists to tamper with election equipment. In May 2021, Peters allegedly allowed an unauthorized individual to observe a secure software update on county ballot processing machines. Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, a Democrat, decertified the machines. The trial in Mesa County comes as election officials at the National Association of Secretaries of State Conference say one of their biggest challenges going forward will be insider threats. State Scoop's managing editor Benjamin Freed spoke with Griswold at the conference in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She says the Mace County situation is an example of the wave of what's to come. Well, I think Colorado uh, had prepared for the problem, and then I've taken further action to further increase our just uh, physical security uh, and to get ready for the, the wave of insider threats that I, I think are coming. Um, but I, I think the nation needs to act very quickly. Uh, we are seeing people who are elected to uphold free and fair elections become security breaches themselves. Yeah. Uh, because they're embracing these conspiracies. Uh, And it's spreading across the nation. Uh, Colorado had the first uh, last fall. That was followed by what we know publicly, Mm -hmm. two in Michigan, one in Ohio, one in Idaho, and a second one in Colorado. And that's just what we know publicly. Right. Now, you talk about, you know, you mentioned, you know, the fact that in some cases, election officials are becoming the the insider threats themselves. Is, is there a way, is there anything beyond the executive authorities that you have uh, to address that before before they get a chance to, before people like that yeah. get a chance to act on their impulses? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so first off, before we saw the wave of insider threats, Colorado already had our security redundancies in place mm-hmm. to, to mitigate against that possibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that um, no one person holds all the keys to the castle. You know, the, the folks who have access to voting equipment in counties do not have the BIOS passwords. Those are the passwords to adjust the settings. It's passwords to the motherboard. Yeah. Uh, along with other redundancies, which I'm happy to go through. 
Uh, then we had the first insider threat. You know what happened. Um, I then issued a series of uh, emergency rules yeah. prohibiting access uh, to voting equipment, unauthorized access, uh, a whole host of things. But then I led the nation's first law uh, to combat insider threats. So that is now the law in Colorado, um, and it's a felony to allow unauthorized access to voting equipment, to compromise voting equipment, uh, post confidential passwords. We built in whistleblower protections, 24-7 camera requirements every single day of the year, uh, badge access to where voting equipment will be stored. Uh, We also, by the way, which you might find interesting, uh, got in front of what just happened in New Mexico. Uh, As an aside, um, we expediated judicial review, a whole host of things. So absolutely, we've shifted. um, Then we did another rulemaking uh, restricting who can actually be in the room during trusted builds. Uh, it can't just be, a, you know, a temporary staffer the county clerk hired that two days ago. Um, so I've taken a series of uh, actions from decertifying voting equipment that had been compromised, uh, asking my 2018 Republican predecessor to step in, emergency rules, legislation. The legislation includes a million dollars of funding to the right. counties to harden. How long, so how long do they actually have to? Cause I know they have to... Their, their counties are going to have to install new video equipment, new maybe some new some new key card systems if they didn't have them previously. Is the idea that they'll have that installed by this fall, or is there a so the, the, the bill now? has different uh, implementation dates? Uh, some of the implementation starts right away. Like right now, it is a felony to compromise voting equipment. Uh, and by the way, um, we had uh, a, a voter who we think a voter. Uh, try to compromise voting equipment on election day, uh, our primary election day. So that part of the law is already in place. Uh, The prohibition of allowing unauthorized people access, that's already in place. Um, Most of the counties will already have those cameras up. Some of them will not. uh, And and those provisions will not be for this November. Um, But there's a series of rules. And if you're very, if you are very interested, I will have my team send over implementation for all the different yeah. things. I mean, you mentioned but a couple times. Really you mentioned a couple times that nobody had, no one person has yeah. all the key, has all the keys to the castle. That includes the elect, the, the clerks elected in the counties. That is right. So uh, my predecessor um, made a decision that civil servants in our office uh, would hold the BIOS passwords. Uh, So those are the passwords that they use to do uh, the upgrade of the voting equipment. That's the trusted build. Um, And the reason that you have, so civil servants in my office do not have, like we don't have voting equipment in the office, right? So they can't just go walk up to a piece of voting equipment, but county clerks do not have the passwords to change settings. Uh, And the reason that they were able to compromise the voting equipment in Mesa County is they stole, the reason you need a secure trusted build, one of the reasons is the BIOS passwords are being used uh, and they're being used to open up the settings to do the upgrades. So that's the time the BIOS passwords are, are physically with the voting equipment, and they stole the passwords, took a, a, a candid snapshot yeah. of them, um, and then subsequently did what they did. Yeah. A lot of you know, the incidents that, that you mentioned, both in you know, the, the two in your state, the, the ones in Michigan, um, they've all been in response to the former president and his refusal to accept what happened. But we're now seeing around the country... Yeah. You know, including in your state, something in 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 that case, you know, in this in this case, probably you know, by the same people, refusal to accept the results of elections that that were lost, you know, where the margins were 
you know, double double digits. Is this going to be an ongoing problem? Yes. You know, what what do you do to address it? If it, if because it is such a because it does seem like it's also it's also a problem of of misinformation and disinformation. Absolutely. So what? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Um, so what do we do? Number one, take decisive action. That's what I've done as Secretary of State. Uh, we've seen, uh, I've had to address the nation's first insider threat too at this point. I've taken decisive action, decommissioning voting equipment, decertifying it in Mesa County, decommissioning uh, various pieces of, of voting equipment in uh, Elbert County, um, and then taking action in, in a bipartisan way if possible, which we've been able to do in both counties, but making sure that every Republican, Democrat, and unaffiliated voter can vote in, in free and fair elections. Yeah. Um, number two, uh, you know, I, I think um, one of the problems uh, is that President Trump has basically drawn a line in the sand that he will primary election or, uh, 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 non-election deniers if they don't join him. And then you also see the incentive of people like uh, Jim Marchant, Tina Peters, Kristen Caramo, that if they lie and, you know, say back Trump, suddenly they get political fame and cash flowing. So the incentive for extremist candidates is to embrace conspiracies. So you also have to disincentivize yeah. that. That's not just disinformation, right? Uh, how do you disincentivize that? Passing laws like I just passed. Okay, you wanna do something crazy for your political career? You will get a felony, right? People need to think twice about that. Uh, you also have to beat them at the ballot box. We're seeing big lie candidates run for uh, Secretary of State. That is potential insider threats, yes. right? Well, Peter's lost. Her Peter's lost. Yes. Uh, Jim, so two things. There were three election deniers running in Republican primary in Colorado. Uh, excuse me, three candidates, two election deniers. Yeah. The election deniers got more votes than the non-election denier. The non-election denier had to flip-flop and, and parrot rhetoric from the far right and had a half a million dollar super PAC come in to get her over the finish line. But they are winning. Election deniers across the country are winning. Jim Marchant won in Nevada. Uh, Kristen Caramo won in Michigan. Uh, in Minnesota, in uh, uh, New Mexico, uh, very likely in Arizona, uh, we are seeing election deniers win uh, the Republican nomination or, or the uh, uh, endorsement from the Republican Assembly across the nation to oversee elections. We've gone from uh, addressing addressing issues on a very technical level, yeah. you know, replacing equi replacing equipment, improving the security of voter registration databases and websites, and it does seem like we are now at you know, is it? It really is at this point a, a human issue more than anything. Absolutely, we we have all the the basis to have extremely secure and accessible elections in this country. Uh, just look at Colorado. Uh, we, you know, you know our state yeah. vote by mail, early voting, same day voter registration, yeah. second highest turnout in 2020. Uh, and because of you know the expansion of the base of the Colorado election model in 2020 across the nation, record turnout among Democrats and Republicans in the safest election in American history. Yeah. This is not about um, being able to to set up secure or not elections. This is about a coordinated attack on democracy to destabilize American elections, to set the groundwork for the next uh, stealing of the presidency or big races. Yeah. That's what this is about. All the actions for 2020 of President Trump trying to steal the presidency failed. 
They are now focused and continue on 2022 and 2024. And you can think about it in three buckets. Number one, strip Americans of the freedom to vote. That has happened. That is happening. It will be harder for voters across the nation and some states cast a ballot this year. They're going to have to jump through hoops and show up, and I am sure that they're going to do it. Number two, destabilize American elections. Uh, that includes threaten election workers. Pennsylvania has lost 30% of its election workers. Uh, it includes do all these fake audits uh, to uh, you know have to yep. decertify voting equipment. Insider threats. Destabilize. Give their give an excuse that something went wrong. Run big lie secretaries of state so that they don't take care of the situations that need to be taken care of, uh, and that's to make sure we have good elections. Number three, the misinformation. There is a domestic misinformation campaign. The lies, when you hear them enough, people start to believe them. We've seen a tremendous shift in confidence in elections because of all the lies being uh, pushed out by our foreign enemies alongside Donald Trump, Senator Ted Cruz, high-ranking Republicans across this nation. So basically, if you look back on January 6th, and look forward to what's happening now, uh, you can see uh, uh, various paths. Number one, don't allow Americans to vote and steal the presidency like that. Number two, destabilize elections to such an extent that there's a basis for all the litigation they are doing in 2020. There's a basis for DHS seizing voting equipment. There's a basis for trying to seat the fake electors or decrease confidence so much so that the public is no longer on the side of free and fair elections. So the next time a violent mob storms the US Capitol, public sentiment is on their side. Uh, this is code red for democracy right now. Americans across this nation in many states could lose the right to vote. And when one state loses the right to vote, we're all in peril. Yeah, I, know, I know you've also had, uh, the last couple of years, you've had your cyber rescue unit, um, and I've talked to you know, Trevor Timmons in your office yeah. a couple of times about all the, the work he's done. Um, have those projects uh, uh, progressed over the la in the yeah. last two years? Yeah, so uh, we've continued. So we launched in 2020. Um, we continued through 2021. Um, we've done various programs like, uh, uh, let me try to remember all the names. We did one with the Rockies. I can't remember the yeah. name of it. Uh, we do something called Trusted Source Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, we just launched a digital initiative um, several weeks ago where uh, my predecessor, Republican, yeah. did you see that? I saw, I saw the ad with uh, Secretary Williams, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a really effective uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, in 2020, it was the top initiative we did, um, top clicks per dollar mm -hmm. of all of our spending on social media, our counter disinformation which shows that you know, we spent on all different things, which shows that Coloradans were really interested in the, in the content. Uh, and you know, the, the content is like, hey, be aware of all this misinformation, go to a trusted source. Um, but also, I, I think the, the Colorado primaries were a, a victory for the Colorado election model. Uh, voters rejected extremists up and down the ticket. Um, but more than just that, after three years of massive disinformation about vote by mail, after three years of messaging, oh, voters should go vote in person, or something like lies about vote by mail. In 2021, 98% of Colorado voters chose to use a mail ballot. We have unprecedented in-person voting options because I have expanded them. Our primary last week, 98% of voters chose to vote their mail ballot. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Is it the rapid response cyber uh, unit that that you implemented? Yeah. What what are the what are, are the, is that is that still uh, is that still working? Yeah. So the unit is still there. Um, so like for example, 
uh, the ad I just did with Wayne. Yeah. Um, that's part of our counter disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of helping local clerks, you know, shore up their whether it's you know firewalls. So we, we continue to support the counties um, from uh, partnering with CISA um, and, and the FBI to harden physical security. I've also pushed a lot of uh, CARES grants. I, I'm pretty sure we funded like 160 um, grant requests through uh, CARES in 2020. All types of, of security upgrades. Um, we just, in the insider threat bill, a million dollars of grants will yep. go to the counties. I also switched a funding apparatus in 2020, um, where a pot of money previously only, um, we were only able to give it to the counties for upgrading digital recording, now can be used for security upgrades. Um, so yeah, we're, we're continuing to do it. And then um, why I brought up the primary is, uh, you know, I have, a lot of states don't have their own IT team. Yeah. I have my own IT team. We have our own security team. Uh, so the leading experts in election security are, are literally in my office. So they'll monitor all the systems, uh, the election support systems uh, leading up to election day and election day. And then the governor activates the National Guard, who then partners with our team yeah. to monitor. Yeah. So right. we're just keep on keeping on. Jenna Griswold, Colorado Secretary of State, speaking at the National Association of Secretaries of State Conference in Baton Rouge. You can read more about her and election security at statescoop.com and today's show notes. I'm Jake Williams, host of State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Next week on the show, Kai Fader from New Jersey's Office of Innovation. You can subscribe to the podcast at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. In Ohio, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, a Republican, is dealing with his own share of misinformation, disinformation, and insider threats around elections. LaRose's office has issued its third order on the cybersecurity and physical security of the state's election systems. This one includes a requirement that all election vendors create a vulnerability disclosure policy. LaRose spoke with Ben at the NAS conference in Baton Rouge and says his new order builds on the previous two. Third one, it focuses on a handful of things. Uh, one is on physical security yeah. um, and uh, requiring uh, video cameras to be on the uh, uh, the servers and, and that kind of thing, so that we have that closed circuit video surveillance of, of the of the uh, of the devices. Um, it also puts in place a requirement for vendors to engage in uh, vulnerability disclosure. Right. Uh, I'm a big believer in vulnerability disclosure. Yeah. It has worked well for us. I was the first secretary in the country to require uh, or to, to, you know, to essentially ask people to hack me, uh, which has worked well. We've gotten dozens and dozens of really good tips and been able to act on those immediately. I wanted to require the boards of elections to do that. Um, but after we studied it, what we realized is that what we've we would be creating a bad scenario where the boards would not be ready to respond to all of the tips that they would get. But you're asking them to do that now. We're asking the vendors to do it. I stopped short of asking the boards to do it. I intend to, to do that in the 4.0 next year or whatever else we're sort of building to that. But having a vulnerability disclosure program is only half of the, the battle. You've got to be ready to respond to all of the, you know, the vulnerabilities that are going to be found and our boards weren't there yet. And so we are going to require our vendors to, to do it. So some of your, your bigger vendors, some you like ES and S, like yeah. Dominion, they have they have their policies. How many vendors still you know? How many vendors do you have across the state that that 
you're going to need this one. The good news is it's only a very small number, and and we talked to them in advance, right? We're, we weren't going to spring something on them that they weren't able to or ready to comply with, but uh, we, we made that across the board. And, and by the way, that standard exists for anybody that's thinking about becoming a vendor too, right? It's not just for the current vendors, it's for those that are thinking about wanting to serve boards and elections. And so now with that policy in place, you won't be able to be a vendor in Ohio unless you're able to comply with having that vulnerability disclosure policy. So the ven- the vendors that do have, that have had programs in place, uh, which I, I think is also still relatively new for them. Yeah. Uh, have you seen, you know, are you pleased with the policies that they've created for themselves or is there anything that, that you would want us to change? No, I think that they've done a reasonably good job. And there's there are um, best practices out there. I mean, ours follows those best practices. I always tell people, if you want to read it, it's right there at the bottom of our website. You can click on it and, and, and see it. Uh, but no, the, the best practices that are in place for those vulnerability disclosure policies are, um, you know, uh, what these vendors are following. And that's that's something that we're, we're confident with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to get back in to the, the physical security standards yeah. that you put in place. The video surveillance, do you do anything with key card access? Well, we already require bipartisan access. So yeah. you can't have just Republicans in the room, you can't have just Democrats in the room or in the server closet or in the cage, if you will. Yeah. It requires a bipartisan access already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not requiring that that be by key card, it can be by physical lock and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, you know that, that uh, that is already something that we have in place in Ohio. How are your counties doing on having that having that video surveillance? Um, you know, are you even going to need financial support to, to get that equipment? Yeah, as we have with the previous two directives, we have made financial support a part of this. Um, in fact, uh, we piloted this with five counties. We always want to sort of try it out. And so we, we, we got a cross-section of counties, large urban counties, small rural counties, and everything in between. You mentioned, you know, the... We'll see. You have a Republican and Democrat have to be in the room together. But you know, you did you did have somebody in Lake County yep. last fall. Oh yeah. Try to, you know, try to plug into a county server, and yep. I, I, you know, they didn't get they didn't get what they thought they were they were looking for. Yeah. But you know, these incidents they are happening. Oh sure. You know, in your state and across the country, how how, how do you address those you know those incidents? How do you you know? Stop them from ha- you know, happening. So it's a it's a mix of technology, physical security, and um, you know uh, background checks and, and verifying that only the right personnel have access to the to the systems that they should have, as, lo- as well as training. So it's it's the sort of technological solutions, it's the physical solutions, and it's the human solutions, and and it's the combination of those three that allow you to, to safeguard these kind of systems. What happened in Lake County? turned out to be a real success story. Now, it's problematic that somebody tried to do this, and that person, I believe, is going to face justice for, for, for doing that. There's an ongoing criminal investigation, and uh, and I you know I think that they will, um, they will have consequences for allowing someone to access, both the government employee that allowed somebody to access a county uh, network, plus the individual that tried to do it. I think both of those individuals should, should you know, get, get penalized for doing that. But here's where it was successful. The individual in question that was not a government employee that came into that building and plugged into a, a, a network was not able to access the Board of Elections. They were in a county, you know, county office building, but the Board of Elections is very strictly walled off, separate from that. 
it's also a success that they didn't get into the board of elections. No, I don't know if they tried. I can't. There's no way to know. Or you know, I guess they could be interviewed, and maybe law enforcement is doing that right now. But if they tried, then nobody at the board of elections allowed them to come into that building and, and plug in. But even if they had, on the the security that we have in place at boards of elections require the device to be whitelisted. So you can't plug in a outside device unless that device is proactively whitelisted. Um, requires, you know, encryption and, and passwords and multi-factors and, and all that kind of stuff. So what happened in Lake County is an unauthorized individual was let into a government building after hours by a county employee, plugged in and captured what he then claimed was some sort of evidence of network traffic at the Board of Elections, but it was no such thing. It was noise. It was it was a computer talking to a printer and the printer saying, I'm ready for your print job. Go ahead and send it. Or I've sent you, you know, that kind of thing. So. But even though he found, you know, he wound up with just the, mo the most mundane yeah. of computer traffic that there is. Um, the fact that he was let in through the building by yeah. an employee. And those are really the insider threats that we're seeing more of. These incidents, you know, they, they, they've been picking up in the last, you know, really in, in the yeah. last, you know, year and a half, two, two years. Um, is, there, is there something that, that, that you think is, is, the re is the reason behind um, you know, these incidents? Uh, is it, yeah. I mean, it's, I, listen, there are people that have watched too many YouTube videos about conspiracy theories and have bought into these wild ideas that are pretty easily disproven if you actually take the time to look yeah. at the facts. And uh, because of that, they've been, you know, uh, radicalized into vigilantes that want to go out and try to prove something. But, but what happened in Lake County sort of proves how unserious they are. Now, we have to take the, the, the threat seriously so that we can protect against it. But a serious investigation occurs like this. A citizen learns of something where they believe that a law was broken. They report it to law enforcement. Law enforcement conducts a professional investigation and delivers that evidence to a county prosecutor who brings charges. In this case, you had somebody that was clearly an amateur and didn't know what the heck they were doing that convinced a county employee to let them go plug their laptop or some device into a county network, and they proved nothing. They really proved what amateurs they are, and they proved how unserious they are about this investigation. Again, if they, if they believed that there was something credibly wrong, they would report it to law enforcement, they would work with their bipartisan board of elections, right? If you're a Democrat and you think something's wrong at the board of elections, you should talk to the two Democrats that serve on your board of elections. If you're a Republican and you believe something's wrong at your board of elections, you should talk to the two Republicans and the board of elections can launch an investigation. But again, uh, this was just somebody with a, a wild idea um, who had probably, you know, consumed, like I said, too much internet uh, uh, garbage about election conspiracy. So, but you know, is it what 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 are, what are you able to, what are you doing about addressing the fact that you know this you know this YouTube garbage is sure. out there? Yeah. This is you know the misinformation disinformation problem has been growing for years, and and it's nothing new. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's 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 something that uh, unfortunately um, goes back you know probably to the beginning of American democracy. The sides the side that loses tends to you know believe that something went awry. Uh, it happened in, in 2004, where there were these wild accusations about the voting machines in Ohio that were all proven untrue. It happened in 2016, where people on the Democratic side were convinced that uh, you know that, that, that something happened, some foreign nefarious plan led to the election of, of Donald Trump, and, and, and that's not credible either. It happened in 2018 in the state of Georgia, where Stacey Abrams refused to uh, 
concede the, the clear loss that she sustained in that election uh, because of a, a bunch of ideas that she had concocted. So there's nothing new uh, about this. But what, what we need to do is counteract those lies with truth. Right. That's well, the best antidote to lies is truth and copious amounts yeah. of it. Well, and well, that's what we're doing. Well, what, what is new? What, I mean, what, what, what was new, though, a year and a half ago, is that you know, people, you know, people, act, people upset with the result of the 2020 election acted on it by storming the Capitol. By storming the Capitol. And others, you know, in the, in the month since, and, you know, the particulars of those incidents around the states are what they are, but have tried to copy, copy hard drives, or, uh, refuse to refuse to certify, refuse yeah. to certify the results, refuse to certify the results of the election because they don't like the brand of the tab, the tabulator. Yeah. Um, you know, is this going to be? Is this going to be just a big part? Is this going to be a major, like a bigger part of your job than ever? Well, if it has to be, then, then, then we're going to make sure that we spend, you know, a, a lot of time getting accurate information out there, combating false information. I think it's always been a part of being a state's chief elections officer that it's your responsibility to get accurate information out there. Um, and so I guess when it comes to what we do about it, there it falls into two buckets. One is this idea that we run our elections so well that there's not a reasonable cause to question them. And, and, and this is a, a quote that I heard years ago. Somebody said that we, we run elections so well, so transparently, that the loser knows they lost. That's the ideal of American democracy, is that we run elections so well that the loser knows they lost. Of course, the winner knows they won. They'll go out and give a victory speech. But we have to do it so well that the winner or that the loser knows they lost. And that's what we do in Ohio. Uh, I believe that we have a, a gold standard for how we, we do it. It starts with bipartisan oversight. It, 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 it ends with post-election audits. Um, it, 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 it includes things like uh, you know list maintenance, aggressively making sure that we remove deceased voters from the rolls, um, voting machines that are never connected to the Internet, always having a paper backup, on and on. So that's one bucket. We just have to do the job really well. Yeah. But the second bucket is that we have to proactively um, inform voters about how elections really work. You mentioned, you know, the auditing process, and by that I assume you mean actual professional audits. And Absolutely. Not, you know, you know, something like we saw last last year. Not a made-for-internet show uh, in Ohio. Now we want people to come and cover them, and we we try to get the press to cover them. Unfortunately, it's hard because the result is almost invariably that we had a 99.99 or 99.98% accuracy rate. And so it's hard to write a headline about Board of Elections doesn't screw up, right? Um, but we do a post-election audit every election, not just presidential elections. I've had people call our office or email the office and say, you should audit the election every four years. Well, effectively, we do it about every four months because you've got a primary in the spring, you've got a special election in many cases in the summer, you've got a fall election. We audit each one of those, and it is the Republicans and Democrats who work at the Board of Elections who've taken an oath and are bound by law to fulfill that oath, counting the hard copy paper and comparing it to the electronic result and reconciling them against each other. And again, in 2020, it was 99.98. When we did it uh, recently for the May primary that Ohio had, it was 99.9% accurate. How is the relationship with CISA these days? Very good. Um, Director Easterly was in Ohio last week. We had a great conversation. Her team continues to offer really high level support to us, not only when there's an incident that occurs, and unfortunately it, it happens, 
but also just routinely. Uh, part of the security directives that we have put out require the counties to engage in the services that CISA offers. Um, at the beginning, they were, uh, they were slow in coming just because we were exceeding capacity. Um, but the physical security inspections, the, the uh, uh, you know, threat hunter and, and um, uh, 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 penetration testing that they do, uh, we've required all of our counties to engage in that, and that has been a, a, great, a great service. Uh, last week, Director Easterly said that Ohio is setting the standard for the rest of the country, and we're proud of that. We're not going to rest on it. She repeated that just two days ago here. Um, and so, you know, we're going to we're going to keep pushing. And uh, having Kim Wyman there is that that what is what is, uh, is having her, her, her like? It's good to have an election expert there at CISA, and that's the role that, that Kim fulfills. I mean, you know, we had Matt Masterson there previously, a, a, an Ohioan, proud to say. Kim brings that that election experience, but, um, you know, also she's a, a former Republican Secretary of State in a Democratic administration, and so it's good, and it helps demonstrate that, listen, the work of safeguarding our election infrastructure, the work of running elections shouldn't be a partisan endeavor. It is something that, that we all should care about universally as Republicans and Democrats. And then, you know, we run fair contests and let the people decide. It's that old Lincoln quote of the elections belong to the people. Um, and that's the case. We're just the custodians of them. Frank LaRose, Ohio's Secretary of State, speaking at the National Association of Secretaries of State Conference in Baton Rouge. You can read more about him and vulnerability disclosure for election systems at statescoop.com and in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.